Lesson 10 for February 28 to March 6, Behind the Mask Sabbath afternoon, February 28 Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come again as we open your word. We know that we are faulty, that our thinking is not clear, but we pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us as we once again delve into this beautiful book of Proverbs. We pray that we may see salvation there, but also find ways that will help us with our daily lives and our daily relationship with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 6. Do not exalt yourself in the presence of the king and do not stand in the place of the great. Let's read that again. Proverbs 25 verse 6. Do not exalt yourself in the presence of the king, and do not stand in the place of the great. Behind the dazzling serpent who utters sweet words, and who seems so concerned with Eve's happiness, hides the enemy who plots her death, as we read in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Disguised as an angel of light, Satan prepares the most dangerous traps for humankind, as we read in 2 Corinthians 11.14, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Even more dangerous and deceitful is self-pretension, when we claim to be what we are not. We end up cheating others, and even ourselves. There are different ways to deceive. One of the most common is through language. Some of the proverbs this week deal with words, lying words, flattering words, pretty words, that use nice sounds and wonderful sentiments to cover ugly thoughts and intentions. We need to be careful not only about what we say to others, but how we interpret what others say to us. Perhaps this week's message could be summed up this way, from Matthew 10.16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents, and harmless as doves. Sunday, March 1, The Mystery of God Life is full of mysteries. Physicist David Dirsch wrote that everyday events are stupendously complex when expressed in terms of fundamental physics. If you fill a kettle with water and switch it on, 
all the supercomputers on Earth working for the age of the universe could not solve the equations that predict what all those water molecules will do, even if we could somehow determine their initial state and that of all the outside influences on them, which is itself an intractable task. And that's from the beginning of infinity, explanations that transform the world. New York Penguin, 2011. If we are confounded about something as mundane as water molecules, how could we ever begin to expect to understand the mysteries of God? Question. Read Proverbs chapter 25, verses 2 to 3. What point is the author making, and how can we apply it to a broader situation? Proverbs 25, beginning at verse 2, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. What makes the glory of God different from the glory of kings is his mysterious nature, and by implication, our human incapacity to fully understand him. The Hebrew root str, S-T-R, which means conceal or hide, from which comes our word mystery, is often used in the Hebrew scriptures to characterize what makes God the only true God, as we read in Isaiah 45, verses 14 and 15, Thus says the Lord, The labour of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and of the Sabaeans, men of stature, shall come over to you, and they shall be yours. They shall walk behind you. They shall come over in chains, and they shall bow down to you. They shall make supplication to you, saying, Surely God is in you, and there is no other. There is no other God. Truly, you are God, who hide yourself, O God of Israel, the Saviour. There are things about God that we simply cannot understand. On the other hand, what makes the glory of kings is their willingness to be scrutinised. Transparency and accountability should be the first quality of leadership, as we read in Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 to 20. When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and possess it, and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me, like all the nations that are around me, you shall sorely set a king over you, whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you, who is not your brother. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, You shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Also it shall be, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book, from the one before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children, in the midst of Israel." 
It is the king's duty to search out a matter, that is, to give an explanation for events and for what he is doing. So to finish the day, life is so full of unanswered questions, isn't it? In a split second, seemingly random events can mean the difference between life and death. Some people go from one tragedy to another, while others do fine. All this should tell us that we need to live by faith. What things are happening right now in your life that you have to accept by faith, trusting in God? What other choice do you have? Monday, March 2, The Fool as Wise Though not a recent fabrication, especially in the Western world, the idea has taken hold in recent years that argues for the relative nature of truth. That is, what is true for one person or one culture might not be true for another. While on one level this is always correct, some places drive on the right side of the road, others on the left, On another, it's a dangerous error, especially in the moral realm. Certain things are right and others are wrong, regardless of where we live or our personal preferences. In the end, we must always submit our views to the Word of God and the truths found there. God's Word must be our ultimate source for knowing right and wrong, good and evil. Question. Read Proverbs chapter 26, verses 11 and 12, and also look at Judges 21, 1 Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 2, and 2 Corinthians 1. What must we all be careful not to do? First of all, Proverbs 26, verses 11 and 12. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. And 1 Corinthians 1, 20 and 21. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. And 1 Corinthians 2, 6 to 7. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. And Second Corinthians 1 and verse 12. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and more abundantly toward you. As we can see, this idea of doing what is right in one's own eyes is nothing new. Yet it was as wrong then as it is now. As we've already seen, none of us understands everything. In fact, we don't fully understand anything. We all have ideas where we need to grow and learn. So 
we should always be open to the fact that we don't have all the answers. In the case of fools, as seen in this proverb, the reason to be concerned is that the influence of their folly will go beyond themselves. They are now more convinced than ever of their wisdom, they will therefore repeat their folly. They are now more convinced than ever of their wisdom, they will therefore repeat their folly. They may even be so convincing that others will think they are wise, will honour them, and consult them for advice, which can lead to a big problem, as we read in Proverbs 26, verse 8. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honour to a fool. Folly will spread, but labelled as wisdom, it can be that much more damaging. Furthermore, fools are so foolish that they are not aware of their folly. So to finish the day, how often are you tempted to compromise on what you know are core values, core truths? What happens, however, when certain core values collide? How can we know which one trumps the others? Tuesday, March 3, The Sluggard. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 15 reads, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. Just as with students who spend more time and energy preparing to cheat on an exam than studying for it, it is ironic that lazy people work hard to find excuses for their laziness. Question. Read Proverbs chapter 26, verses 13 to 16. What are we being warned about here? Beginning at verse 13 of Proverbs 26. The lazy man says, There is a lion in the road, a fierce lion is in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. The lazy man buries his head in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. The lazy person may be right. There is a lion in the road. Verse 13. Therefore, it is wiser to stay at home and not to confront the danger. But by doing just that, we miss all the opportunities that life offers. We will never enjoy the beauty of the rose if we do not run the risk of being hurt by its thorns. We will not be able to move forward if we are afraid of obstacles. People who do not dare to commit themselves will never taste the fullness of life. Look at some of the other imagery in those verses. Just as the door swings on its hinges, but doesn't go anywhere, lazy people turn in their beds. That is, they just change position, but don't go anywhere either. The other image in verse 15 is even more startling. They can get their hands into a dish of food, but are too lazy to bring them back to feed themselves. But even worse is their intellectual laziness, their closed-mindedness and certainty about their own positions. Therefore, they will always be right, wiser than seven men, as it says in verse 16, and will not be open to other views, perhaps wiser than their own. Those who think they have all the answers 
usually don't. Ellen White writes in page 55 of Patriarchs and Prophets, In the judgment, men will not be condemned because they conscientiously believed a lie, but because they did not believe the truth, because they neglected the opportunity of learning what is truth. How do we understand our role in giving others the opportunity to learn what is truth? Where does our responsibility begin? And where does it end? Wednesday, March 4, The Friend as Enemy If we are more disappointed by our friends than by our enemies, it is because we expect good from our friends and evil from our enemies. It doesn't always work out that way, though, does it? That's why Proverbs warns us that sometimes a friend behaves like an enemy and an enemy like a friend. Question Read Proverbs chapter 27, verses 5 and 6. When can rebuke be a sign of love? Proverbs 27, beginning at verse 5. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Love is not just about kisses and sweet words. Love will sometimes oblige us to rebuke our friend or our child, and it can run the risk of appearing unpleasant, judgmental and critical. We might even lose friends if we speak out. Yet, if we do not warn our friends about what they are doing, especially if it will bring them harm, then what kind of friend are we? Open rebuke is also a sign that our love is not built on illusion and pretension, but is based on truth and on trust. Question. Read Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. What can be the effect of confrontation between friends? Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. The image of iron sharpening iron suggests a reciprocal benefit. Friendship tested by true confrontation will improve not only the quality of the friendship, but also stimulate and strengthen both personalities. The respective weapons will gain in efficiency. We will end up more equipped for our future struggles. People who take refuge in themselves and their own ideas only, and never confront the challenge of different views, will not grow in knowledge or in character. So to finish today, have you ever been rebuked for something that could have really hurt you? Suppose you hadn't been warned about it. Keeping this in mind, if you need to do the same for someone else, how can you do it in a redemptive manner rather than in a judgmental and critical way? Thursday, March 5, The Enemy as Friend. 
question. Read Proverbs chapter 16, verses 17 to 23. On the lines below, summarize what is being said. Proverbs 26, beginning at verse 17. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a dog by the ears, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no tail-bearer, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a tail-bearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost body. Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. Proverbs again gets into the power of words, this time dealing with the harm caused by slander and quarrelling. Those who slander your enemy before your face to make you think they're on your side are really like charcoal. They feed the quarrel and lead you into the fire of more troubles, as it said in verse 21. Likewise, fervent lips, as it says in verse 23, which sound so eloquent, can hide a wicked heart, as it said. The politician who wants to be elected, the salesman who wants to sell his wares, the playboy who wants to seduce a woman, all of them know about the power of eloquence. This passage's lesson is that we should be careful not to believe in every nice speech we hear. They can be dangerous precisely because they are nice. Some people are very good speakers. They can sound so persuasive, so sincere and so caring, when inside something completely different is going on. Though we have all been victims of people like this, who hasn't at some point been guilty of doing the same thing, saying one thing to a person, but thinking or feeling something completely different? Proverbs here speak strongly against this deceptiveness. Ellen White writes in Reflecting Christ, page 71, Everything that Christians do should be as transparent as the sunlight. Truth is of God. Deception in every one of its myriad forms is of Satan. It is not a light or an easy thing to speak the exact truth. We cannot speak the truth unless we know the truth, and how often preconceived opinions, mental bias, imperfect knowledge, errors of judgment prevent a right understanding of matters with which we have to do. We cannot speak the truth unless our minds are continually guided by Him who is truth. And so to finish today, how open and transparent are you in what you say? How much of a disconnect, if any, is there between your words and your thoughts? Do you really think that such duplicity can be maintained indefinitely? Have a look at Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 and 27. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear... Preach on the housetops.
Friday, March 6. From the book Councils to Parents, Teachers and Students, page 361 and 362, we read, The agency of the Spirit of God does not remove from us the necessity of exercising our faculties and talents, but teaches us how to use every power to the glory of God. The human faculties, when under the special direction of the grace of God, are capable of being used to the best purpose on earth. Ignorance does not increase the humility or spirituality of any professed follower of Christ. The truths of the divine word can be best appreciated by an intellectual Christian. Christ can be best glorified by those who serve him intelligently. The great object of education is to enable us to use the power which God has given us in such a manner as to represent the religion of the Bible and promote the glory of God. We are indebted to him who gave us existence for the talents that have been entrusted to us, and it is a duty we owe our Creator to cultivate and improve these talents. And that brings us to our three discussion questions for this week. Number one, discuss more about the mysteries that we find in everyday life, whether in nature, in human interactions, or in questions about faith and the nature of God and salvation. It's one of the great ironies of life that the more we learn, the more we realize how little we know. Why is that even more true when it comes to spiritual truths? And question two, what are some truths that are indeed relative, cultural and changing? How do we distinguish them from truths that are eternal, universal and immutable? Why is it so important that we know the difference between them? Why is the confusion of contingent truths with eternal truths one of the great dangers we face? And question three. It has been said that smart people keep their friends close and their enemies closer. What does that mean? As Christians, how are we to relate to such a sentiment? In what way can Matthew 10 verses 16 help us? Well, let's have a look. Matthew 10 and verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled Opening A Lot More Doors In Bridgeport, West Virginia, the only Seventh-day Adventist church in Harrison County meets each Sabbath in the local Presbyterian church. Although they don't have their own building yet, members of the Central Hills Seventh-day Adventist church are certainly building relationships. In response to the Discover Bible School mailings, the Central Hills Church has received more than 300 requests for Bible studies just from within Harrison County. Pastor James Volpe and his 30 church members are doing their best to keep up. Some of the most active members include Angela, age 21, Heather, 20, and Lee, 22. We were driving from house to house, 
remembers Heather, handling out the first two lessons and asking people if they wanted to have personal visits or continue the lessons through the mail. One of the ladies we met requested that we return, so Angela and I decided that we would do it. We studied with her every week. That winter, her son committed suicide. We quit doing Bible studies, but would still visit her. We helped her around Thanksgiving and Christmas. Sometimes she comes to church. Heather and Angela have since resumed the Bible studies with this student. While Lee doesn't give personal Bible studies, he jumped in and organized the mailings. I make sure the completed lessons get graded and sent back so that person can start on the next lesson. If a month goes by and we haven't heard from the Bible student, then we follow up and make sure that we keep in contact with them. While the members of the Central Hills Church have been supportive, the church's young people have especially enjoyed being involved. Our youth group has gotten a lot stronger, says Angela. I've always liked to be involved in some ways. I just don't know how. I think this is one of the first times we could put into practice all of the stuff we hear every week. We could actually be part of something and watch the church grow, adds Lee. Heather believes that giving personal Bible studies is one of the best methods for church growth and spiritual commitment. All of the youth were together delivering the lessons. Then, once Angela and I started giving Bible studies, I enjoyed it. It made me grow spiritually. We had an evangelistic seminar coming to the area. By us doing the Bible studies and getting out, that helped our church to grow. It opens a lot more doors. Your reader for this week's lesson has been Dr. Percy Harold. This lesson is brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Remember, God is always faithful.